Hi, welcome to the Parenting Bridge podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Alden, a licensed professional counselor, parent coach, and family therapist. And I'm here to help you to build a bridge to your best family possible. There's a lot of issues with the kids too, like with holding on to things versus holding on to people, right? Because people, the most critical people in their lives have, have come and gone. And sometimes it's, you know, through death or, you know, maltreatment or whatever. And so it's not necessarily that they necessarily, it's, they can reason that it's not best to be back there. But internally, they have a hard time with attachment and connection and it, it matters a lot, you know. So they're going to have difficulty sometimes connecting with other kids, building relationships and friendships. They, they may kind of keep everybody at arm's length. They may do really well with younger kids. Um, that they can kind of boss around and, and maybe they're even really good with younger kids, but also they may do better with older kids that they can kind of follow and someone else can kind of be in charge. So you got to kind of watch that. They don't just normally have like really good relationships with other people. And we want them to be able to develop that. I think it's one of the signs of health that was certainly instrumental as I was growing up that um, it was one thing that I was told later that was seen as a positive that I was able to to make friends and maintain friendships. And um, that was really good and healthy. And that gave a lot of hope to like moving forward. So just something to keep in mind, they have difficulty adjusting to different things, like big changes. So they may seem like it's fine. Like they don't care if you move, they don't care if someone comes or goes or someone, even like if a, somebody leaves, you know, they seem to be fine with it, right? They just find someone else, you know, they have kind of superficial attachments sometimes with people outside of the family that, you know, it's like all of a sudden that's their, their, their mom or that's their, you know, their new brother or whatever, you know, but in the family, a little bit more struggle and that it is a struggle, those transitions. And it may show up more in the smaller transitions of day-to-day activities or at school than it shows up in some of the big transitions. They may seem like they do fine through big life changes because they, they're not holding on to it either. It's like, yeah, people come and go, things come and go. Or, you know, places come and go, that kind of thing. They may hold on to every candy wrapper that they've ever had or anything that gives them those memories, those things that they, you know, they they don't trust that those things are going to, you know, they can get rid of things and it's going to be okay. So some of that may go into like hoarding food, but there's other kinds of like hoarding, holding on to type of behaviors, getting rid of even old clothes that don't fit anymore, um, you know, and, and I think sometimes those things are sensory related to like how it, how it felt, how they feel. But some of it is also just, it's very difficult to make some of those smaller transitions. And yet in the face of a crisis, they may seem like, oh, they just handled that so well, right? But yet they melt down every single Christmas and, you know, it's a disaster. You know, So sometimes you'll deal with lying and stealing behaviors. Um, and that is about trust and not being able to to trust that things that you as adults, not being able to trust adults in their life, that sense of control and power, lying and stealing kind of gives them that, just like anger does. It covers over, you know, sadness and embarrassment and disappointment. So just being aware of that, um, remembering again that that shame and loss go together and it equals kind of negative behaviors. Um, so, you know, the you think that they would be better, you know, because they don't want to lose their family or whatever, but but shame and loss does weird things to us. <laughs> We're not always able to carry 
out, even with the best of intentions. So, and not always that the kids are able to think it through either. Let's see, some more things. They do need love for sure, but they need love in a different way that show, is through, seen through action and caring. Also, just being aware that a lot of adopted kids can be very engaging, charming, um, but they may be very indiscriminately affectionate. So they, you know, they'll be, they may refuse adopted parents, like any overtures of love, like being able to give them a hug at night or, you know, even, even sometimes I have some adopted kids that don't want to call their, their adopted parents, mom and dad, but then they'll, they'll say like their friend's mom is like their second mom, you know, or something like that. Um, I've seen these kids like give complete strangers hugs, be willing to take rides from complete strangers, just have to really safety wise, like really have to help them through that. You can't, doesn't have to be angry with them about that or to be hurt by it, you know, like, oh, well, you don't, you don't call me mom, but you're going to call this person your mom. You know, it's like, it's okay. You know, it's just realize there's some, there's, it's something going on in their brain and that it's, it has to do with loss and this grief that they have and these wounds that have to be healed and the trauma that has to be integrated. They can be, it can be very difficult for some kids to develop morals. Um, It can be very difficult for them to develop empathy or compassion for other people. Um, And I see this sometimes even in adults, like if you've been through a lot, like you have a hard time really having that compassion for other people and what they've been through because you feel like, well, nobody's had it worse than me. And look at, I'm okay. I turned out, you know. So um, if you've had a hard childhood, a hard background um, as an adoptive parent, you may feel some of that struggle, right? Like um, it was one of the things that kind of surprised me with my son, I think, there were so many ways where I felt like I could understand him and I knew where he was coming from, but he was also older than I was. And it was, I found myself at times like really struggling to, to not think, you know, like I didn't act like that. Like I had that same pain, but I didn't act like that. Or I didn't carry it out like that. Like you should know better, you know, kind of thing. So when you find yourself thinking like that, know that you're not, you're not, you're not dealing with this in a way that's going to be as helpful as it as it could be. It, it's good to have expectations and know where we want our kids to go. But if they're not there and they're not there and we have to help get them there, um, we can't just expect them to be there or be angry at them that they that they're acting out in these ways because we we didn't. Right. Like I've had parents tell me, you know, like this is how it was when I was a kid. Like I would have never talked to my parents that way or I, you know, we were just expected to do our chores and, you know, we wouldn't have, you know, we didn't have to be you know, bribed or bargained with or anything, you know, and so it's like, you know, we have these expectations, but, but this is their experience and this is how they are. And, and even if, even if you adopted a sibling group, like you have to take it apart and look at, at it, you know, differently with each kid. And so they really, what, one of the things they're struggling with the most is that they cannot trust. So whether they have reactive attachment disorder or any of the other behaviors that are happening and that, you know, just realize like they're, they're really struggling to trust. So you may be focused on like, well, I can't trust them. As soon as I turn my back, this is what they're doing. Right. That's true. You cannot trust them because they're showing you. I mean, you, you can trust in the sense that they're probably pretty predictable that they're going to do something (laughs) and some of their behaviors are very circular and they do it over and over and over. Right. But, but the real problem here is that they are not trusting you. So if, if a child cannot allow adults to be in charge, if they're so so stuck in their 
reactive part of their brain that they in in so compulsive and impulsive that they can't follow instructions then there there's a real issue there in being able to trust because i really think that that trust and compliance goes hand in hand so you have to really work to build that trust in order to have kids that that will trust you and so that they can do what you're telling them to do and that they don't have to control every aspect of the of the world and it's it's um i say all of this like you know, this is what you need to do. Like, it's super easy, but it's not. It's a challenge, I know, and it's difficult every single day. It can be really emotionally and mentally exhausting because you kind of have to stay ahead of these kids. So, and we're going to talk about some things that hopefully will help to make it better. Um, another thing that about about most kids that have like really severe attachment issues um, and trauma is they hate being told what to do. And I, I, like I said, I work with adults that are also parenting kids with challenges and they had some of these challenges they ha- hate to be told what to do and one of the things that I do as a parent coach is I tell parents what to do <laughs> so I hit against this a lot of people that hate to be told what to do and so you have to find ways to to give them this this instruction and to build that trust so that they can do what you're telling them to do and at least try it and start to feel the differences themselves and that's some of what your kids really need is they need to feel the differences. They need to feel what it feels like to be successful because what they do if they don't is as soon as they start to do better and feel better and it starts to kind of level out, it feels like they are going to do something that tanks it, right, or escalates it so that because then they, they can stay in charge of it. This kind of keeping things even keel is a very difficult challenge and it it feels uh, very heavy sometimes on kids to to maintain, right? It's kind of like almost better to be somewhere in the middle than to be, you know, stand out too much as far as like exceeding, right? Because then you have to maintain it. It's like I used to play tennis and when I when I played in high school, I was the number one seed and and then I would sometimes oscillate between number one and number two. And I almost liked number two better because I could I could hold that place where being number one like you're everyone's out for that spot you know so there there's this constant like being challenged in it and I think emotionally it can be like that way for our, for our kids and so just understanding that like we have to make doing the right things easy and doing the wrong things more difficult for them so that they don't they don't get afraid of just just kind of day to day success right. The other thing is that they're kind of seeing the world um, because of the things that happen. They're kind of born this way that the world is, is unsafe. And so I have to control it or they have to kind of like just give give up that control. So some kids will, will not be so outrageous in their behaviors. They just kind of shut down and just allow all these things to happen to them. They're almost like the always the victim, right? And that's something also to keep in mind. I, I, I want to say this because after all these years of working with adoptive families, I will tell you that if your child that is angry and aggressive and struggling to have friends and all this kind of stuff, like they may be, you know, great, you know, with other kids of the family or younger kids or all these things. And then at school, you're going to hear that they, from your child, they're going to, they are going to tell you that they're being bullied, that they're being um, mistreated, um, that teachers have it out for them, that other kids have it out for them. And I think it's important to keep in mind that this is their perception of of the world, right? And that if that there's a lot of things that they are doing that are causing some of these things. You know 
that they don't have good interactions with people. And you know how frustrated you get sometimes in your interactions with this child. So keep that in mind when you're hearing about how everybody else is treating them through their eyes, right? It doesn't, we don't have to tell them that they're lying. We don't have to tell them that they're making it up. We just have to understand it. And, and then our goal is to help them to work through it and to be able to, to say, well, yeah, there's going to be difficult people. Yep. Sometimes you're going to have a teacher that's hard to figure out how you can do what they want or, you know, but it may be that the teacher just won't let them sit in the back of the room. And once I'm sitting up close and that's the teacher picking on them, right. Or being too strict with them or, you know, whatever. So just, you know, I'm not saying that these other things don't happen, but you've got to look in the context of everything that's going on here because otherwise you start fighting battles for your child. And what I've seen is a lot of kids, and I see this especially with kids that, that have been adopted, is they, they are quite fascinated, I think, with stirring up things. And then they kind of sit back and watch all the adults just, you know, kind of panic and try to make all of this work. And I've seen it with between parents and schools a lot. And so just keep that in mind when you're when you're hearing what's happening at school. Um, be on the same page with your team at school. So ask the other adults like, so what did what what did you see happen? Or what, let's look at the video of that of what happened in the hallway. And don't don't feel like you have to go in there and protect your child because our goal is not just to put bubble wrap around these kids so that nothing bad ever happens again. We have to help them to learn how to maneuver through things. So how to how to have better relationships, how to have better interactions. So I don't think that these kids have very good interactions, even as they're walking down the hallway. The nuances of, of relationship, especially in junior high, when it's so weird anyway, you know, when kids will tease when they like somebody or boys will bump each other or take someone's hat and, you know, be goofing around or knock something out of your hand as, a, as almost like, a, you know, the way that they play and interact. And so there's poor interactions all around. And then you have your child that doesn't understand any of that or doesn't know how to do that and is overly aggressive or the victim, right? And so, you know, we got to help them to maneuver through that rather than just trying to to uh, bubble wrap them, you know, which I don't think necessarily is always happening. But I do think that this, sometimes we try to change all the situation in order to make it easier for the kids, but we, we want to help them through it. And it, it's different that we're not ignoring it because there's we know that there's bad things that happen when we just ignore it. These kids really, they really do feel like they're they're victims and they're being bullied and that these things are happening. But we have to help them to be stronger and to overcome and to be to work through it so that they can succeed in other things in their life. So that's that's what I'm saying about that. And if you have more questions about that, I would love to hear it because I I think that it's a really tender issue um, because I see it in so many families. So but just, you know, remembering that this doesn't go away on its own, that it creates a lot of failure in relationships. So we have to work hard on this in our families. The relationships in the family really, really matter. How your children treat each other, even if they're all adopted, how they how they speak to you as the parents, how like this is this is really key in helping them in their relationships in the future. I think that a huge indicator of, of what's going to happen. Even if they're, they say, well, you know, like I've had adopted kids tell me, well, it doesn't matter. Like all of my friends, like we all talk to each other like this, you know, and they're swear at each other, or, you know, bro or whatever, you know, but it's okay. It's like, that's fine. That's what you want to do with your friends. I'm fine with that. 
but in this family, this is how we're going to talk. And to other adults, this is how you're going to talk. And it wasn't that long ago in our society we knew that, you know, like we knew that there was a way that was okay to talk in a bar versus a way that we might talk, you know, in a public park with women and children around or, you know, or or even just children around if we don't want to, if we, you know, because now it's like everybody talks the same, you know. But I still think it's important for people to have understanding of how to interact in correct ways so that they know how to talk to a boss, so that they know how to talk to a teacher, so that they know how to talk to somebody that they have a more intimate relationship with. And and we can all work on our social skills. So that's my soapbox about that. Also, just know that the loss, and it has to be acknowledged to be healed. So we have to acknowledge that these kids have lost, like adoption for families, like as an adoptive parent, like I gained, right? Like I gained my son and and my, my family gained, the kids gained a sibling. But for him, like he also lost, right? Like he lost his, his birth family. He lost the cousins that he had before. He lost the chance to grow up in a normal situation, you know, and he was old enough to know all of that, right? He knew he couldn't go back. He wasn't against it happening. Um, he needed it, but there is loss. And I think that loss has to be acknowledged. And and I think, you know, for some parents, like I've seen a lot of kin care, you know, adoptions or legal guardianships and, and that loss is on both sides a lot of times, you know, where you've lost, you know, maybe you raised your kids already and now you've lost your freedom. Or you, you know, there's there's some loss there. There's some loss that you may not know when you adopt. Like, oh, I didn't know I was going to lose my identity and or lose my mental health or <laughs> or lose my you know this is because it's so hard right but there is a part of when we're building and creating our families that there's there's some some loss even though there's some great blessings to be gained so and I think it's okay to acknowledge it but I just I don't think that that kids necessarily have to be stuck in it but I think it's important to not just skip over it or be like hey you should be over that by now right or what did you think was going to happen like you can't go back there. Like, do you, are you saying you want to go back to your parent that abused you? It's like, no, they're not saying that. Like, right. Like I, I grew up with this fear that I would get sent away. And so I think, but I think that it also, that, that fear came from the loss, right. Uh, losing my brother, losing my family, my grandparents, things like that. But, but still at the same time, it wasn't like I wanted to go back into that situation. I could clearly understand that it wasn't good right like it it was it was painful to be there but it was also this this thing that you carry with you too of being abandoned again of being you know like if somebody doesn't if they if they're saying this is too difficult or it's too hard what these kids are hearing is I'm too difficult I'm too hard and so they carry that with them like nobody can handle me nobody can deal with me and that's not healthy for them to grow up feeling that way sometimes they're they're in their mind emotionally. Um, I read this article that just talked about like adopted kids, like reconnecting with the ghosts, right? Like, and I think it's kind of that fantasy, right? Of like what, what was, so sometimes they're constantly kind of reconnecting with the ghosts. It's not real, but it's like this ghost of the promises. Um, I see a lot of it with, with kids as they get older, I call it future faking, right? Like you try to talk to them about some goals, like, what do you, what do you want to do? Or you know, what, what are you going to do next? Or, or they have a goal to get a job and you want to talk to them about steps to get a job. It's like, it goes into this future faking of like, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy this truck and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And all these things that, 
that are so like that might happen, but if they don't have clear goals to get there, it's it's not going to happen. And um, and even when they do attain some things, like they're not able to maintain it or keep it because they don't have this connection to reality of like, here's what we're going to do first. I remember it was just the other night, I was like talking to my son and he was going on and on about all these things that he's going to do. He's going to move to Montana. It might be two or three years from now. He's going to, you know, do all these different things. Right. And it's, it sounds great. And I wish for good things for him. But then finally, I just said, you know, what, what's the first thing that you're going to do? Like you have some great plans, but what is the first thing that you're going to do? And he kind of went back and he's like, oh, I got to get a job. And I was like, yeah, okay. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> and that's as much as I can go with him. He's, he's in his twenties and, um, he's not at a place where he's asking for me to help plan anything out for him. So it's like, but, but I just had to bring in a little bit of reality like, okay, let's come back to planet earth and what is going to, what you're going to do next. Cause I'm getting lost here, you know? So you may have to do that a lot with your kids of like, okay, so that sounds great. And maybe we can write some of those ideas down, but what are we going to do right now? What did I say we're going to do next? You know, So bring them back. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Bridge. Do you want to learn more about building a bridge to better behaviors? Pick up a copy of Dr. Michelle Alden's new book, Parenting Emotionally Distressed Kids. Or for more resources, you can click on the link for Healthy Foundations. If you would like to leave a comment or a question for Dr. Alden, there's a link in the notes. We'll see you next time. And remember, things can always get better.